On today's episode of Locked On 76ers, Philadelphia has their seven-game win streak snapped by the Orlando Magic here in town. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean a lot. We'll talk about it next right here, Locked On 76ers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook or locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash locked on today to get started. What's good, D? Um, the Orlando Magic. I guess they were good on Monday night as they took down the Sixers. What's up with you? Hey, man, it was, it was crazy watching that thing uh, last night. I mean, watching how... I don't know, man. It looked like the Sixers just got up in cruise control. It was like, yo, we're we good. Thing one, it's easy. We're good you know? here. Yeah, yeah, we're good here. Yeah. And so, so that's the thing. That I mean, that, to me, that's that's what really stood out to me. Yeah, uh, they they probably did. And with all due respect to, to Orlando, we'll get into it. We'll talk about it all with the Orlando Magic. Uh, what stood out here? Uh, in this game, looking ahead, of course, to the next game against the Magic on Wednesday and tap, tap into a few other things uh, also here on this podcast. Welcome to Locked On 76ers. I'm Devon Givens from 97.5, the Fanatic Radio in Philadelphia, alongside my co-host and partner from the Sixers, from, from the Inquire.com, Sixers beat writer, Keith Pompey. And we thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen uh, every day and remember locked on 76ers is free and available on all platforms including right here on youtube at locked on 76ers pardon me well 119 109 sixers fall by 10 a big turnaround uh, for the orlando magic trailing by 21 points in the first half uh, they were down in the first quarter no, not by much it was about what 13 points in the first quarter they were trailing and then they were down 10 at the break Third quarter, 42 points put on the board in the third quarter for the Orlando Magic. They win by 10. And as you mentioned, Keith, this one looked like they came out ready to go. They started off 8-0 to begin the game. Orlando shot very poorly in the first quarter, and the Sixers were leading. And you thought, oh, the defense was there. They got guys in foul trouble once again like they always do. And the next thing you know, the Orlando Magic, which they do, is keep playing they don't quit they don't not put up a fight and they have enough young talent to keep rolling mixture of young vets like mo wagner and they're very well coached by jamal mosley this orlando magic team so keith you mentioned it the fact that they look like they just basically got up early thought they could coast to the win and it bit them snapping their seven game win streak yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was part of the problem. I mean, you look at it, like you said, Orlando struggled. I mean, Orlando missed their first five shot attempts, and, 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 they, and they missed 17 of their first 20, right? And uh, it was funny. Those three attempts made shots where two was from Markel Fultz, and another one was from um, uh, Gary Harris. He hit a three, yeah. right? 
And and then that Gary Harris three put the Sixers down by 14. They were down 17 early, right? But then the thing is, it's kind of like, you know, all of a sudden the Sixers start saying this is going to get easy peasy. And then it looked like the ball stopped moving. It looked like to me that guys were trying to get theirs because they felt like they weren't going to play a lot of minutes in the fourth quarter. And honestly, it felt like that they were saying, okay, let me just take this guy off the dribble, get a couple buckets, and then I'm going to pad my stats and everything's going to be good. But needless to say, Orlando's just start knocking down shots, making things. And then especially in that third quarter when they shot 61%. And it was just, to me, it was like the tide turned. And they took turns doing it. At first it was, you know, the rookie Banchero. And then after that, it was Mo Wagner, you know, who who was getting them in the fourth quarter. Like, you know, so, you know, the, the Sixers, it, it just looked like, I mean, nothing against Joel. Joel had his 30 points, but he just he had didn't six show, turnovers too. So. Yeah, six turnovers, but he just didn't show me that same, like, intensity that he had the game before. Now, again, I get it. It's different. Ben Simmons. You know, uh, you know, uh, the Joker. Yeah. I, I get all that. But you know what? You still got to come to play, especially against this team. When this is a team that we know that beat the Boston Celtics three times, beat the New Orleans Pelicans, beat the Clippers, not the Clippers, excuse me, the Golden State Warriors. So they come to play. And this was just a bad effort by the 76ers yeah no intensity bad effort uh, lack of energy after a while and to your point uh they just took this team for granted they took them lightly and orlando kept just chipping away as i said down double digits after one still down double digits but they cut the lead to 10 ben carroll hit a big bucket at the end of the quarter to cut the lead uh going into the locker room and the Sixers came right out keith and they scored like the first five first five first seven and when they went up by 15, I think it was 62-47, somewhere along that line. And um, I thought as soon as DeAnthony Melton hit that three-pointer, I said to my producer at the studio, Jamal Mosley's going to have to call a timeout as soon as this one drops. And he didn't. He let them play. He let them figure it out. Then they proceeded to go on their own run to cut the lead again and get it to single digits and eventually lead by four after three so again i give him credit for continuing to coach his players give his players credit for not giving up and taking the gut punch early and then taking that gut punch early in the third quarter and just saying all right you got us we're on the ropes we're done we'll see you on wednesday since we're going to be here for a few days they kept going and they took the sixers uh i guess the, the disrespect that they felt because bancaro started barking to the bench he was barking to the crowd after he started really getting going. He only had two points in the first quarter, and he had 27 through the next three quarters, and he was rolling. And as you mentioned, Mo Wagner ended things really in the fourth quarter where he he just had it going, got to the free throw line. He was 10 for 10 from the foul line. So I agree with you. I, I don't have much on that one except for I agree with you 100% that they took this team lightly. They had a big emotional win on Wednesday and Saturday over Simmons and Jokic. And then the Eagles part of it where, and let's be honest, they were probably enjoying themselves a little bit too much from the weekend, an early game on Saturday, uh, an early game again on Sunday. They had plenty of time 
to enjoy themselves and get caught up in the moment. So you don't, you don't want to have that as an excuse, but you know that's human nature with stuff like that. Uh, but when you get up 21, you expect at least win the game. Let's talk about how they chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. But you in the fourth quarter said, all right, guys, <laughs> enough is enough. It was tied at 99-99. And Matisse Thibault hit a three first to make it 99-97 Sixers. Orlando scored, tied it up 99-99. Then they start trading baskets going back and forth. They were turning the ball over and missing shots. And that's how they won it. So, yeah, they, they disrespected the opponent. The opponent wanted it more in this particular game and that's how the final result came to what it it became yeah but you know what i understand you saying is is like water under the bridge so to speak but it's concerning to me a little bit because my thing because before the game i asked doc rivers i said like when your team is rolling like this what's the number one thing that you want to focus on and he said they have to keep working we have to keep working so that was a priority, and it just looked to me that as good as they are, it was kind of like they got a little complacent. And oh, yeah. even if it was, even if it was going to the Super Bowl and doing all that, like you got to keep your focus, man. You got to keep your focus and know that like where we are right now. You know what I mean? We 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 got a chance of doing something special. So like this was a game. Then let's face it, we talked about this in yesterday's podcast. This game right here, the next game on Wednesday, and then the one against the Spurs, they're supposed Surprising. to be three give-me games. Yep. They're supposed to be three give-me games because then you know the Knicks, even though the Knicks is down a little bit, that's still a, a, a division game. And then you got to go to Boston, right? And so now you got Milwaukee that's a half a game up on you. Brooklyn's starting to get stuff together again, right? And you see them next Saturday. Next Saturday, exactly. So yeah. These are supposed to be these games where you're just supposed to get out there and win. So, again, I get it. It's a hiccup. It's whatever. But but at the same time, you can't lose these games. Mm. Like, you just can't. You can't lose these games. Mm. Yeah. Well, they, they dropped this one. It's a tough one. We'll keep it going on the other side. Uh, I have one positive I wanted to throw at you when we come back, Keith, and see what you think about uh, one thing that stood out to me positively for this, this game and why it might mean something going forward for the Sixers. We'll tap into that next right here. Locked on 76ers. You know what? I want to talk to you about FanDuel, right? We're really excited about our new sports betting partner, for Locked On because they're the number one on sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that makes betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet uh, Super Bowl 57 with with no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If you if your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel's let you bet on everything from the money line to point spread to who will score a touchdown. Come on, man. Y'all ain't going to let me bet on coin tosses and all that. <laughs> right. So the FanDuel sports bet app is safe, secure and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. Right. So join FanDuel today. 
uh, at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl um, 50, right? 57. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports bet partner of the NFL. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked On Now podcast for nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. All right, Keith, there was a positive for me in this one. See what you think and see what the listeners and viewers also uh, think about this one. Matisse Thibel, um, mm-hmm. 10 points in less than 12 minutes. Uh, he was two for two for three from beyond. He had two steals as usual, wreaking havoc on the defensive end. And I thought that he was, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was, he wasn't hesitant on the offensive end. He was very decisive of what he wanted to do with the basketball. And uh, he drove to the basket. He had one that rolled in and out, basically. I thought it was a good shot as he got in close for basically a little jump stop. And, and uh, it rolled in and out, but he looked confident on his shots. He wasn't thinking. He just seemed to be out there on the offensive end playing instead of thinking so much where in the past he would have had those opportunities. And the first thing he's doing is trying to hot potato and hot potato it and get it out of his hands to the next teammate. I thought he was really good in this game, albeit 10 points. He did lead the bench unit, as you mentioned, Tyrese Maxey. Maxey didn't have his usual game. He only had eight points in this one. Matisse Thibault, who led the bench unit with 10 points, still played his usual defense. I thought this was a good one. Um, did you see it that way? And if so, why why was this important for Matisse Thibault? I mean, you know what? I thought this was great for Matisse. Actually, I think this is the third quality game that Matisse put, it, uh, put together. You know, like he had double digits two games ago. The last game, uh, you know, the last game that he played, you know, he had it like three steals or something like that. He didn't score a lot. I don't think he scored at all, but but it was one of those things where he was active on a defensive end. You know, I, it's crazy, man. Like, you know, you can make this argument. And there's a huge debate, and I'm and I'm and I'm self plug here. In this morning's observations, I'm talking about how Matisse needs to play more. And I know I've been saying that for a while. We have mutual friends who like, come on, Keith, what are you doing? Why you keep saying this? But it's like it seemed to me that, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last two games when they had Matisse in there, that's when they came back. That's when they or, or they went on a run, right? And then all of a sudden, it just seems like, okay, well, his minutes are up or his his rotation is up, so let's take him out. But when you look at it, here's a guy that had ten points. He was two for three on threes, right? He played. He was a plus six in, in what, in 11 minutes and 19 seconds. Um, Doc Rivers even said that their zone defense is very good when Matisse Thibel is on the floor. He says, we're really good in the zone, especially when Matisse is in there. Well, their zone last night was one of the things that kind of sort of had – Orlando a little discombobulated a little bit, but then all of a sudden you take them out of the game and here we go again. Now, again, they, they were getting some rebounds, but that's not Matisse's fault. He's a guard, 
But but at the same time, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like Matisse just needs to play more. Now again, they could end up trading Matisse, right? They could end up trading him. But uh, but I honestly believe that, you know, do you really want to trade somebody that that adds that much to your defense right about now? When especially you can't make a lot of stops and dudes are scoring at will. To me, it just doesn't seem like a lot of sense, in my, in my opinion. Well, uh, trade deadline less than two weeks away now, so we'll find out if he is, in fact, uh, in the mix to be moved and all of that. But I just thought that last night with how he performed, it was really good for him. If he stays here, uh, something like that is really good and can really translate later on offensively. The defense will be there, as we know, but offensively, it doesn't have to be 10 points every night. It's just the threat of him shooting the basketball, the threat of him putting the ball on the deck and making a move to get to the basket, those types of things. That's why I thought it was good to see Matisse I would do that. If you got the same bench production as you always do from the others, then maybe they win this game. But for him, for him, uh, that that was something that, that was encouraging to see, as you said, because he's played well during this winning streak that they've had, and he's gotten a little more consistent minutes. I don't know what I need that number to be, but I guess it's more of a feel. If the game is playing out well, you talk about feed the hot hand. If he's out there while the hot hand is going and the unit that he's with is playing well, then you're right. Leave him in there and let the chips fall where they may until there's a real time where he needs to come out of the basketball game. But I thought it was good. All right, I'm going to just point this out. I'm going to point this out. So this is Matisse Thibault's stats, right? So Matisse Thibel had 10 points on three for five shooting. He was two for three on, on three pointers. He was two for two from the foul line. He had one rebound. He had two assists and he had two seals and he was a plus six, right? PJ Tucker on this night, PJ Tucker played 27 minutes and 56 seconds. He was 0 for one from the field. He had four rebounds. He had two assists. He had three three uh, fouls. Uh, he had one block, and he had two points, right? De'Anthony Melton, he had eight points. He was two for six shooting. He was one for three on threes, three for four on the foul line. He had seven rebounds, two assists, two fouls, three turnovers, two steals, in 20 minutes and 36 seconds, and he was a plus 10. So when I look at these three guys, you know, I'm like saying, okay, two of them got to play. I got to go with the hot hand. On this particular night, P.J. Tucker was struggling a little bit, a little bit. Now, I understand he brings stuff. So when we talk about minutes, I feel like on a night like tonight, it's not always this way, but on a night like tonight is when a guy who's giving you work, he needs to get more minutes in the fourth quarter see how this one progresses uh they'll be having this opportunity once again against the same team on wednesday we'll get into that i did want to bring up something that you mentioned which was the zone defense keith you don't mind we'll talk about that when we get back our final segment zone defense has been a big part of the Sixers' defense and a big part of how to defend them we'll talk about that a little bit as we saw that quite a bit and doc Rivers said well we played it pretty much the entire a lot of the game on Monday night. We'll talk about their zone defense here next on Locked On 76ers.
Welcome back to Locked On 76ers. Final segment here with you as the Sixers fall by 10, 119, 109 to the visiting Orlando Magic. That's Keith Pompey. I'm Devon Givens. And um, Keith, with this one, the one thing we talk about with uh, this team is the zone defense. And we've seen it a lot really come into play in the league over the last couple of years where they've allowed that to be a part of the defense in the NBA. And the Sixers have really had a lot of it thrown at them because of their lack of shooting over the years. Now, the J.J. Redick years, that's one thing. Robert Covington, when he was here and he was able to shoot the ball the way that he was at that time. Defense was a I mean, the zone defense was a part of it, especially because you had Ben and there was a way, you know, to, to have him out there and still feel comfortable having the zone because that's one less shooter on the floor. But lately, we've seen a lot of it from the opposing team, but also from the team, the Sixers themselves against these other teams. And the Doc Rivers talked about how they they play a lot of zone last night and Matisse Ibel being very good. When he was in the Pac-12 and he was at Washington, they played a lot of zone, predominantly zone. And mm-hmm. he won Defensive Player of the Year, as we know, twice there. Twice, right? Twice uh, while at Washington. And 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 De'Anthony Melton was another one that was uh, first team all defense in the Pac-12 with USC. So when you have those two out there and they're head, the head of the zone and you have Joel Embiid on the back end protecting the paint, like we saw on Saturday where it was really good against the Denver Nuggets because Michael Porter got hot. <laughs> he couldn't miss from three. They went zone and they took that away. And then they made some other adjustments in terms of the defense to defend him and Jamal Murray, putting Tobias Harris on Murray and all that. The zone is, in terms of this team, the zone has become a big part of the identity of the game. Not just the Sixers implementing the zone, but also the opposing team implementing the zone against them. And I I wanted to point that one out and, and just basically why it's important to pay attention to it going forward because they're going to be those teams that really believe that they can slow the Sixers down, not figuring out the zone, not just because of the shooting part of it, but because of how to break it down. And oftentimes they get sped up and they turn the ball over in those zones where now it's a free run the other way for the team uh, to look for some transition points. Like they were minus 14 tonight against Orlando, Orlando 28 to 14 fast break points. You got to be careful with those turnovers. They've done okay against them, they can be better against the zone defense and making sure that not just the shot making, but protecting the basketball while that zone is being thrown at you and trying to throw you off. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. Now, here's a, I'm just going to read to you what Doc Rivers said about their zone, right? He said, we just like that group that's on the floor, talking about this, his his grouping that he has in, in the four, in like late in the first quarter, right? He said, we just feel like that's a good zone group, especially when Matisse is in the game. We don't do it a lot because he and Melt, talking about the Anthony Melton, aren't on the floor together. But when they are on the floor together, that's our best zone group, especially when Matisse is in the game, right? He said, uh, he said um, it's a good zone group. Um, but, you know, it, so, so – Again, like you said, that's a really good group for for the Sixers, and those two guys are real defensive-minded. 
And to me, like you said, it, it, they keep getting back in the games. I mean, think about it. There was a couple of times this year when they played some quality teams and they had those two guys on the floor and the other teams just crumbled against their zone. You know what I mean? And it to me, it helps out. Now, again, also when you have both of those guys on the floor, you know, you also might be losing a nice perimeter score if one of them isn't hitting their shots. So that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I would really like to see that zone a little bit more. Little because bit more. it's funny. Huh? A little bit more? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but the, the, the funny part about the NBA, I don't understand, Dave, is like these are – I know like guys don't shoot as well as they used to in the back in the day, like back in the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that. But it, 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 it's funny to me that how teams just crumble against the zone, like when they pros, you know what yeah. I mean? You don't see it anymore. You don't see it like you used to. That muscle memory is not the same. Yeah, that's what it seems like, right? That's yeah, what muscle like. memory is not the same, man. When you play the zone in high school, of course, coming up, you know, lower than high school, and then you play it going into college, it's different when you get to the pros because what they're teaching you is to make sure that you – understand how to play man to man because yeah. 70% man to man 75% man to man and here you you lose those normal principles of how to play the zone yeah and you get kind of lost so uh but I, I thought that that was an interesting part especially since doc mentioned it and you brought it up it was something that I wanted to throw at you as well as we highlight their zone defense but that'll do it for us uh, we'll be back tomorrow on the off day on Tuesday. No practice for the Sixers, uh, but that doesn't stop us. Pardon me, we'll be back on Wednesday as we get ready for the Sixers and the Magic. Game three, game game two of this two-game miniseries, final game of the four games in general between these two teams for the season and the final game of the four-game homestand for the Sixers as they try to win this one on Wednesday and restart a new winning streak. We thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen on our next episode. Of course, we'll start to look ahead to the Magic one more time and see if they can hold things up. Now, make your second listen Locked On NBA. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Keith, can you let the good folks know where they can find us? Just like you just said, wherever you get your podcast, you can get um, this podcast. And when you do that, make sure you click on the Liberty Bell so you'll be updated for when we post our uh, pods. Um, Also, make sure you follow my man D from 8 p.m. to midnight tonight on the Divine Giving Show, right? Um, And also follow D on Twitter at DivineG975. You can follow me on Twitter at Pompeii on Sixers. And you can read my articles at uh, on the Philadelphia Inquirer, inquire inquire.com. Well, we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll catch up with you on Wednesday. Get ready for Sixers Magic round two. Talk to you later. Thanks, Keith. Deuces. Peace, bro.